This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Researcher 135's Community Call Daily Talk with your host, Rich Bernardo. This evening, which is, of course, April the 2nd, 2016, we are welcoming back Becky Marie Lackenbuchko, Becky Buchko of Johnstown, Pennsylvania. She has been on my show uh, numerous times, and she is a fantastic guest. We have uh, we just had wonderful shows in the past. This lady is the jack of all trades. She has written several ebooks, one of which is uh, Pandora. She has uh, got some groups going that she's going to be talking to us about tonight in, involving selling jewelry online. And uh, he see that I have a caller from Central Illinois. Good evening, Central Illinois. Hi, Rich. How are you this evening, Terry? I'm just fine. How are you? Oh, I'm just doing great. I am looking forward to hearing what Becky has to tell us. Yeah, she was an interesting guest the last time. Very knowledgeable. You may recall uh, she was my first guest about the uh, Johnstown flood. That's been a year ago already. And uh, she's done a subsequent show that uh, in which she talked a lot about the Johnstown flood. She's done considerable research in that area. Yeah, I know she had all the, the dates and the figures and how many people had passed, and she just she knows all about it. Well, and she's done such thorough research that she's even successfully identified uh, previously unidentified victims and, and been able to change the figures, change the number. And I think a lot of that can be seen on her uh, Facebook group about the flood, the uh, Johnstown Flood 1889. She's got a group about it in addition to uh, the writings and research she's done on it. Yes, uh, I remember the last time that she was on. Uh, and uh, But I never can remember from time to time. I've read about the, the Johnstown flood, but I never can remember from time to time how many people were lost that they think well, they it's know. A, it's a very big figure, you're correct. Uh, they, they may never have an exact figure, but let's just say that it's in, in the same ballpark as 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. In other words, we're talking, it was the largest loss of American life uh, prior to 9-11. So we're talking over 2,000 for sure. I, I think the, the final death toll may be somewhere between two and 3,000. Becky could probably uh, give us a more exact figure, but, but definitely in that range. Another way she describes it is just, you know, absolutely horrendous, the events that happened. Oh, absolutely. And she has a little bit of personal insight too, doesn't she? Because uh, she uh, she has has claimed a past life in Johnstown. Yes, and not only that, but uh, she's ancestrally connected through her family uh, trees, and she can again 
tell us a lot more about that, and she will. She's going to talk about a lot of different things tonight. Uh, she can bring that out even further tonight. And one of her ancestors, you know, perhaps a great-grandparent or something like that or a great-uncle, was a victim of the flood. And, uh, in other words, she had people living there in Johnstown, as I recall, uh, at the time of the Johnstown flood. And I see, uh, Cherry, that we now also have a caller from Florida, Tampa Metro. Good evening, Dan Patrick. Hey, Rich. How you doing? Good evening. I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing this evening, Dan? Pretty good. Uh, weather's kind of breaking here in Florida. Uh, springtime, early spring, and actually warm and, and raining a little bit. We needed some rain, so uh think life is good. There you go. Yeah. Dan, I understand in your vast experience in history with online sales that you have discovered a, a new way to sell online. And uh, you were talking a little earlier about it. Tell us, what is uh, what is this new app? Okay. Yeah. You know, um, a friend of mine uh, called me up and said, you know, there's this new app called Let Go. As you can let download, go. yeah, let go. As you can download to your uh, smartphone, and mm-hmm. uh, I did that a couple months ago, and I, I I've been perusing, you know, the items for sale, and uh, you know, one of the things I collect coins and comic books, and uh, you know, I look through the comic books, and you know, the pretty good selection, and and what it does is it uses your GPS to find the items closest to you first. And then as you scroll down, it goes further and further out. It's a pretty well done app. And, uh, Sounds like think, it. Sounds like yeah, it. It's really easy to sell with, too. Uh, my experience is what happened is I answered that on Craigslist off the computer. A couple had uh, about 400 comic books they were looking to get rid of, and uh, they only wanted $100 for it. And I went and, and, and uh, investigated, and they, they had some 20 and $30 books in there and some Nothing less than a dollar. You know, there's 400 of them, and I gave them a $100 bill for all that. And uh, I took a photograph with my smartphone. Uh, I went to, well, no, first I had to go to the, the Let's Go app, and it says Sell Stuff, Sell Your Stuff. And you hit that button, and it gives you the option to either upload from your gallery on your phone or take the picture right there on the spot. I took, uh, I think, three pictures. I think it's the max that you may be allowed. And uh, I uploaded the, uh, you know, a description. And I'm going to tell you what, within, before 10 minutes was up, I had a, I got a response immediately. And there was a guy, he's, he's trying to lowball me on my, you know, what I, I, I had it for sale. Uh, and uh, you know, I turned him down, so the response was just way too quick to take your low, a low offer that low. You know, I mean, you know, I, I could take your offer right now. And yeah, you know, I mean, you you came in here like almost less than five minutes after I uploaded the the merchandise. You know, no way I'm gonna you know go down in price. You know, with that kind of response. You know, um, time frame. You know, somebody coming to you. You know, like almost immediately after you uh, upload the the uh, merchandise is like almost unheard of. And uh, he and I have been going back and forth with. The, they have a chat feature. So you could chat back and forth with potential customers and, and between buyer and seller. Um, and he's made another offer. And in the meantime, somebody asked me to break some of the other stuff out, some stuff out, and I'm not too thrilled about that. But also, Let Go is also can be found on your web browser on your computer too. So that same merchandise you upload with your smartphone to a smartphone and chat can also be found on their website. 
So Let Go is also available to people on their PC, their laptop, their pad, what, whatever the case may be. Right, but the, the the beauty of it is you could just point point your smartphone at your merchandise and put in a brief description and a price, like all within like less than three minutes. You know, uh, so it's very very user friendly, very very seller friendly. Yeah, I mean, if you know how to use, you know how to text on a, on a uh, on a smartphone, you you know, it, 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 you could do this. It's just as easy, you know. It, it's easier than you know probably a lot of apps that are out there. It's very simple. Uh, the, like I said, the creators did a great job because they made it simple and they made it easy to use and then make it so that you can use all the features of your uh, smartphone. You don't have to do any outside you know, camera work or anything like that to upload and describe your uh, merchandise. Now, it's like it, it's like Craigslist in a way. Is, and, and then the fact that there's really no immediate payment unless you request it specifically. You know, you could say, well, you know, uh, send me X amount of dollars from PayPal, and I'll mail it to you if the person's out of town. But their 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 advice, the creators of the app, is always meet in person in a safe place. You know, to avoid being scammed. You know, and uh, I think that's good advice. But but here again, smaller items could be sold to people outside of your your uh, immediate area uh, without you know uh, having to uh, you know. Use to meet up with anybody. You could you could pay with this or or another payment method, credit cards or whatever you have you, and you could do mail order if you had to. So there's all sorts of possibilities that are are opened up by this this let go app. Yeah, I, I'm really. I, I mean, to, to have somebody. I mean, to up, upload a merchandise and have somebody immediately, you know, inquire about it and make a cash offer. You know, was was there? It, he actually made a uh, you know an offer where I would have made a profit. I just wanted to make more money. You know, and, and and when I got that kind of response, I figured, well, if he's coming in like five minutes after I upload the merchandise, then that means it's getting out there. People are finding it easily. You know, and and it told me that you know, just to hold off on his offer, and I, I have so far, and he's come back with a counter offer, and so you know, I'll see what happens with it. You know, in the meantime, you know, I've got something worth something, and uh, I might take some better pictures with the camera and put, throw it up on Craigslist at the same time. Now, on that go, what are the time parameters? Is it set sort of like Amazon or eBay where you put something on for three days, five days, seven days, or you just put something on until it sells? Oh, just like Craigslist until it sells, I think. I'm not sure about when, if there's a cutoff date. Oh, they, they want you to market as sold. It's up to you, the user, to mark your merchandise as sold. So, so right right now, it appears to me that it's the uh, the seller's responsibility to uh, take the uh, item or market as sold, and I think they they eventually take it off completely. Because I've seen some items on there that have a little pink bar across and it says sold. Uh, everything's kind of like a, a a salmon pink color. You know, the, the whole the theme of the app is is like that that sort of color. So you know, the the pink bar goes across. With white lettering, it says sold on, on a lot of things, uh, but there's some really nice things on there, you know, including uh, things that you know are just too too heavy to carry or or, or mail, you know, cross country. So uh, it, it could be a local, could make a local sale, and for smaller things, you you can reach people. Uh, as I've been perusing the app, uh, I've seen uh, you know merchandise, you know, smaller merchandise like the comic books as far away as New York City and Brooklyn. So uh, you're not limited to just your area. But the beauty of it, 
of it is it uses your GPS and starts off with it knows where you're starting at and it starts to look for the merchandise in your immediate area first and then goes out further and further from your from where your phone is at. Well, that would be great for someone on the go, someone who travels a lot and does a lot of flea markets, because it would literally zero in on their area and help to uh, focus on deals that would be available locally to them. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You could be walking in a flea market, take a picture of something, put it up for sale, and uh, see if you got any response. If you got the kind of response time I did, you, before you left, you know, maybe mark it up like five to ten bucks and then pick it up on the way out. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could make a, a half a day trip somewhere, uh, shopping at a thrift or flea market into like a twenty or fifty dollar day, you know, just by taking pictures inside there and acting like that was your merchandise and buying it if somebody came in and gave you a response within the first five or ten minutes. Or if you liked it, if it was inexpensive enough, just grab and hold on to it. It potentially gives a whole new meaning to the idea of flipping your merchandise. I mean, it, it's incredible. Were you able yet, Dan, to determine uh, the user base, how large it is, how much traffic let go is getting? It looks it looks fairly significant because, like I said, as uh, I I set it for a search for the things I like, like comics and coins. And uh, as I continue to scroll, it seems to be an endless scroll. Now, as you're scrolling, you know, you're scrolling upwards, right? You're getting further and further away from the, the uh, GPS location of your phone. You know, but that's okay because you're seeing more and more merchandise across the country. I, I've seen things across the Gulf Coast in Alabama, Louisiana. Uh, I've seen things in as far away as Arizona. And, and like I said, New York, a lot of stuff out of coming out of New York City, a lot of comic books up there in Brooklyn and stuff like that. So, uh I, I'm really impressed with it, and uh, they don't charge us. So far, they haven't asked for a dime. Wow. No That's final sale no fee or anything. No. I'm not sure how they're making their money at this point. I'm going to guess at some point uh, revenue will be generated through advertising, and that probably it's going to be ad-based, but it may be too early to determine that. And it could be that they're trying to to gain a good user base foothold, and then incrementally there will later on be fees or charges that don't yet exist. What speculation uh, have you come up with so far on some of the areas in which they might uh, monetize uh, the app? You know, uh, I'm a little uh, I'm a little lost. I think you know what you're talking about is uh, an uh, advertiser-based model. May, you know, here again, um, you know, the, un the unfortunate end of it is they may eventually they may have to have uh, commercial, you know, big box retailers come in in order to support the app or make money, but at least they're starting at the bottom. You know, they're giving away something to get something, you know, it looks like to me. Uh, it, it, like I said, it, I, I think that they probably are feeling like if this is a success and they see that you are an ongoing, uh, you know, uh, person selling stuff on a commercial basis, then they may start to charge you a fee. You know, if they see you are an, actually a business entity, you know, and not the, the the guy cleaning out the garage or the attic, you know, for springtime, then they may say, well, that you're you're in a different seller category, and as a result, you may I could. That's what I would do if I was the creator of the app. You know, if I noticed that people were actually making a full time business out of selling on this app, then I, then that's when I would spring some sort of fee. Uh, Based model on them, 
and eventually that may be uh, what takes place. Our friend uh, Jeff Sleet of Van Gogh is also uh, based in New York. You'll find this very interesting. You mentioned the comics coming out of Brooklyn. I, I would suspect with the uh, number of online sellers that have always come out of the state of New York that let go would be one of the natural places for that to migrate to, and that it's probably growing by leaps and ground, bounds all over the place as far as that goes. Yeah, well, New York's always been a, um, a big distribution area for vintage comic books. You know, the, the, actually, the, a lot of the hobby started out of out of uh, New York, and uh, and actually, uh, out of where my home state, Baltimore, Maryland, was, was where the king of all comic books started out, was Steve Jeppe, who created the uh, current... Well, you know, I was going to talk about this a little bit. Uh, you know, one of the hottest items on eBay right now is comic books. And I've been on com- I'm still buying, and I rarely see anything that doesn't sell. Doesn't sell at all. I mean, it's hard. Pre- you're hard-pressed to find even garbage down there that doesn't sell because of all these movies. And, you know, even the stuff I bought from this couple, I felt was like, well, this is not that great of stuff. But, you know, with the movies... Any any turn in the movie, a new character is introduced into one of these new movies, uh, makes an appearance, all of a sudden an issue becomes a, a quote, key issue, and the, the value goes up anywhere between 25 to $40 for a, you know, a 25-cent comic book. So, you know, what's happening in that, that hobby is just exploding because of the, uh, of the films. The movies are, are going off the hook. You know, Batman versus Superman, broke box office records last week and then I think the month before that Deadpool broke box office you know so you you know you see where I'm going with this every month they're releasing anywhere from two to three of them now and they're all breaking the previous one's records and they're pushing the books right through the roof uh what had happened is the comic industry saw a major depression in the early to mid 90s because uh Steve Jeppy took over distribution from DC and Marvel and it created the subscription model. And that mm-hmm. forced all the small comic book store sellers went under. They went bankrupt uh, because uh, the subscription model, what they said is, We're, here, here's your comic book for the month. You've got, co- you, you've got your clients, you've got your customers, and they, they subscribe to X amount of titles a month. And they've got to pick this up. They're on an honor system. And so what was happening is people were going, oh, yeah, I want this, 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 and they went 20 titles a month. And then when it came time to pony up the money, a lot of them just disappeared and went on to the next store and, and bought a couple things and, and never showed up. I had a friend that he was basically going under living on credit cards because he had started a comic book store. Jeppy started his own store with his own model around the corner, and, and he bought out all the other local stores thinking he was going to make a killing, and instead it, it backfired on him. And, uh, yeah, and well, yeah. I want to pick up on that story in a moment, but first I want to welcome the guest tonight. Hi, Becky. Hey, hi, Rich. I'm sorry I've been on uh, trying to get through, but I guess talk show's not working very well. Well, a lot of people may be on tonight. Who knows? It could be a server problem. could be weather-related, but you're here. You made it. So, Becky, tell us now about the, the new jewelry, uh, the selling groups online that you're doing. Tell us about that. Well, as you know, I used to sell on eBay. I gave that up. Um, I've been selling off and on on Etsy, um, and I decided to try something new. So what I did is I opened a new Facebook group just selling jewelry at 5 and $10. Most of the jewelry is $5. Um, and it's doing very well. I'm surprised. It's been open maybe two weeks. We've got 
over 200 members, and it's awesome to be listing stuff and watching it sell as you list it. Literally, you hit you hit um, post, and within not even two minutes, you see one of your members has has commented, and they comment sold. Um, it's working very well. Very well. Uh, Facebook doesn't charge anything, and uh, it's doing great. It's really it's it's been a lot of fun. Something new. Becky, it sounds like it's going as well for you as, as the new Let Go app that Dan was talking about a moment ago. Yeah, that does sound interesting. I I didn't catch um, what the name of the app was, but uh, I'm going to check that out too. Maybe I'll use that as an extension. Um, the jewelry is a combination of remanufactured vintage plus um, stuff that's made from brand new merchandise plus stuff I've imported. Um, and and purchased in a variety of ways. It's just, it's absolutely fun. It's it's kind of neat. Added it to my my books and my Facebook groups and all the other fun stuff I did. I thought this is something to be neat. And you know, I always knew there's a way that you could really make a living on fa- on the internet. And I'm still trying to find it. I'm getting there. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, and I, and I think it may be a combination of different things. Just just like Dad was talking about. Craigslist and eBay and, and, and let go, I think that the number of sellers do diversify and they, in fact, will be selling stuff on a number of different venues. Uh, I think that's quite common nowadays. Yeah, I don't think you can uh, last on one. I did the, the last thing I did, I listed, was um, it went on Van Gogh plus five other major auction sites. They were vintage card brochure, dealer brochures. And, you know, I didn't even get one bite on any of them, so I, I guess maybe I don't belong in the in the car business. <laughs> well, and you might try this new app that Dan's telling us about called Let Go, and see what happens there. That might be an alternative you could experiment with. Oh yeah, I think so because I've got some. There's some great books and great brochures. Um, I don't know, something for a friend. I guess maybe I just didn't hit the right place, or I don't know. We'll we'll see. I definitely am going to check out that app. I heard you talking about comic books. Um, if, if you're a comic book dealer or collector, you might be really happy to know that uh, my uh, husband's friend, um, best friend growing up, was the nephew of Steve Yitko, who drew um, Spider-Man. So Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, we. I actually have the colored pencils that Spider-Man was drawn with. Um, and the comics right now is inked here in Johnstown, which is really really cool. So, the, I, the, the, I can make you I can make you scream too. I heard heard tale that um, one day uh, his mom cleaned out his house up on Decker Avenue and threw away cases of number one Spider Man cases. Oh, put him yeah. in the trash. Can you imagine? <laughs> Literally threw and threw and threw away a fortune there. I'm a big Steve Ditko fan, too. One of the first amazing Spider-Man comics I ever owned was a Steve Ditko. In fact, he even did a cover of it. Uh, it's Molten Man, one of the Molten Man appearances. And uh, I loved uh, Steve Ditko's art. He also did uh, Warren Magazine stuff, too. He appears in Eerie and Creepy. And Steve Ditko was all over the place. He did Doctor Strange. I'm sure uh, uh, Dan Patrick's quite familiar with Steve Ditko. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting. I'm, you know, I'm interested in the old car dealership uh, pamphlets, and I'll tell you why. Um, I used to have a classic car, and, and one of the things when I was up in Maryland, and one of the things that people do is they go to the big swap meeting car out Pennsylvania every year. And, oh, yeah. And that, and old, like, no car allows them is like Christmas to my brother's. 
Yeah, and that's like the books you got and flyers you got. There are people that specialize in just that sort of thing up the, at Carlisle. So there's a market for it. There's definitely a market for it. You know, uh, finding it online, I guess, is is, is the issue with, with what you're doing right now. I'm also interested in your, your Did you create the group yourself? Yes, I did. Yes, I and did. You're and allowing, you're allowing people in. You're like the admin then, so you, you can drop people. Um, no, uh, it's, or, it's set up a little bit different. Um, it's, you can find it at facebook.com backslash groups with an S backslash 5 and 10. It's called 5 and $10 Jewelry. Right. The only person allowed to list items there is me because it's set up for me. Um, and what I do is I have members come in. So if you wanted to do it with comic books, um, you would you would do um, take the pictures of the comic books and list them as an item, you know, because you can choose to sell an item in a group. And then you just invite people to come in. And what happens is you get people who are coming in and are noticing and getting notified every time you list something. So just last night I listed 100 pieces of jewelry. And the stuff that I'm selling, with the majority of it been at $5, if it was, say, in the mall at like a Claire's or a Boscov's or something, this is stuff that would be retailing in, in the 12 to maybe $20 range. So, you know, and some of it is, is I've got natural gems coming in, which would be much higher, but I'm still staying true to the, the 5 and $10 piece. Right. No, I, I started a page for, for my comics, um, the, the Professor's Rocking Comics. I haven't worked that much on it. I'm trying to work some of the already established groups on uh, Facebook, and I, I'm not real happy with some of the things I'm seeing. It seems like uh, people that have been in the group a while uh, that selling uh, or feel like uh, other people are competitors will immediately jump on somebody else's product or item and 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 make negatory uh, comments. And uh, the admins don't seem to be protecting everybody, you know, especially when you get in larger groups of 4,500 or 10,000 participants. And, uh, yeah. and uh, I'm a little Here's, frustrated with that. Start your own. Um, you know, if there's a way you could do it, um, find a niche or niche. Um, start your own group with that niche and invite people from those other groups you know, to come in and buy, but only either let everybody list or just just you list. With the jewelry, it's just me because I don't I don't want competitors because what happens is I have a, a, a thing with shipping. You can ship two dollars for one item or or four dollar three ninety five lets you ship five items. So of course I can't offer that if I have other people listing items too. Right. So everything is here. See you I know? think the model that you created is the the, the correct way to do it because when you are you are trying to, well, and I don't ever perceive. See, my thing is I don't ever perceive another seller as a, as competition. I, I always like to see see that other people have you, you have this for sale at this price, and that's your business. You know, and if somebody wants it or not. But there are, you know, when you get to a group as large as ten thousand people, you got certain people that are, that have certain issues. You know, with their mental thinking and and they, they perceive everybody and, and you know this happens on ebay too you know you, you have people that perceive you as competition when you're not <laughs> you know when you have like you know 30 million buyers and and you know x amount you know you know millions of sellers on, on any platform not no, no one person is truly competition against another person you know it's like either people like what you've got or they don't and i think by keeping it simple like you're doing and keeping a small you know, group of people interested in the product itself. Yeah, you're right. You, you 
you don't have to worry about uh, your specials, you know, you're, you know, and and having to uh, adjust your prices to accommodate people that are trying to cut your throat or undercut you or something like that. I think that's a good model. I think it really is. Well, the biggest thing is you have to keep the quality high. Um, you have to keep things exciting. I have a special going now. Um, when you invite people to to join the group on tax day, which everybody usually is sad about, I'm going to pull three winners with random.org, and the people who added them, all six of those people will each win a, a, a piece of jewelry of their choice. So um, naturally that helps your group grow faster, and you have people then adding their friends who really like the merchandise, and you pick up customers. You know, and of course, every person that um, somebody invites to join, they can choose to join or they could choose to leave, whichever. But you know, all you've got to do is catch a couple really good customers, and you're well on your way to building an interesting business. As I said, it's only been a couple weeks. Um, I'm I'm over 200 members, so you know we're getting there. You know, it, we're still crawling. We aren't running yet, but you know, at least jewelry's selling. I have a huge investment in in beads and bangles and baubles and and jewelry and I mean everything, but I would put that put it up against any other jewelry seller just because what I wanted to do was I wanted to bring it out to where it could be affordable for the peop for the women who don't have a lot of money. Right. You know, um where they can actually spend five dollars and look like a million bucks on their job interview. I also have um ten percent of all the uh, profits go to assist single parents, uh, with the exception of two items, one being the Bernie Sanders merchandise, because I'm a Bernie crat, and so all the profits from the Bernie merchandise go to Bernie Sanders' campaign, and I have a, another campaign called No Bullies for the local high school, who, uh, the local school district who's having a huge bully problem, so I've put some No Bullies um, bracelets up in my group in their school colors and invited them to purchase and the profits from that will go to the no bullies group i i think giving back is a huge part of any business and even as young as i am i thought you know this is a great way to give back to wow well that's yeah that's great you sound like you're working really hard it is yeah my kitchen's full of beads and jewelry and <laughs> it's everywhere it's everywhere it's taken over my life <laughs> Becky, uh, I think you've talked a little bit, too, maybe about having a club and having some meetings, and, and hold that thought for a moment. We have a caller on the line, Becky. Good evening, South Carolina. Hello, South Carolina. You're on the air. Good afternoon. And how are you this evening? I am wonderful. Welcome to our show. This is Rich Renardo. This is Daily Talk, and our... Uh, Yes, this evening is Becky Butko. If you have a comment or a question for Becky, uh, go right ahead. Uh, it's more of a comment. Becky, uh, you know me from a Facebook group. My name is Clifton. I just want to say thank you for everything you've done for the communities and for just being a stellar person. Oh, thank you, Clifton. That's really nice. Really nice of you. Uh, you know, I have been very fortunate. I've struggled definitely. I live in Johnstown, which has you know, the probably the highest unemployment rate in the nation. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to always have what I need. I've not always had what I wanted, but I've always had what I need. And, and I've always tried to reach out and help others as much as I can. I'm far from perfect, but I really believe that if I can help others, then everything's going to be okay. I You know, God smiles down on me, and I will have what I need, so it's okay. 
you know? Absolutely. But again, I just want to say thank you. I know I've talked to you on Facebook a few times, but uh, I just want to tell you I am listening to you, and good luck with everything. Thank you. Hey, invite all your friends to buy jewelry. (laughs) (laughs) Will do. Have a great night. You too. (laughs) Becky, uh, you also uh, have created some Facebook groups, as I recall, that are helping to promote your e-books. Can you tell us a little about Pandora and about about your e-books as well? Sure. I have... um, Several Facebook groups. I, I love Facebook. I love the groups. It's so much fun, and I've um, it, it has Facebook has definitely enriched my life. I have some fabulous friends. Um, I couldn't wish for a better list of friends, and you know they're from all over the world. I've got I've got this great friend named Rich down in Texas. I've Thank got you. Um, my <laughs> my amazing editor is in Australia. I think he's in Sydney this week. I've got friends out in uh, in amongst all that election chaos out in Nevada. So, you know, Facebook ends up having friends, you know, they're even in South Carolina. Um, so it's it's great. It's a great place to sell. But back to the books. Um, I've written a book called Pandora's Box of Love. It is a book that brings sexuality back to those who are mobility impaired. Uh, it's very interesting. It's something someone taught to me. Uh, it's based on a true story. Uh, maybe mine. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, but it's fictionalized. <laughs> Uh, it's available on Amazon as an ebook. Very shortly, it will be a print book as soon as I get this jewelry group growing. Uh, it's four ninety nine. It will definitely change your life. I know it's changed mine. Uh, people who people who are mobility impaired, maybe in a wheelchair, paralyzed, even ALS patients, they can bring sexuality back to their life. Those that feeling, that closeness. There's another way to have that, and that's what first box love. Within this romance, this erotic romance. Um, so there is a Facebook group for that. There's also a book I wrote called "How to Talk to Your Dead Loved Ones in an Hour or Less." As um, <laughs> a crazy part of my life, the fun part, I think, the best part, being able to communicate with my dad. That is the book. You can read it in less than an hour. It costs two ninety nine. Um, I wrote it because I wanted people to be able to know that it is possible. And I wanted to help heal those who are hurting because so many of us miss people who have passed on. And I wanted to show that that connection stop. You never lose it. It's, everything is powered by love, and that connection doesn't stop at all. Um, that group is called Reincarnation and Past Life Memories. You'll find it has morphed originally a reincarnation group to where now it is a group full of people who are light workers who reach out and help others. So if you need some help, if you wanted to learn about your past lives, if you wanted to ask a question, even anything you wanted to know about the metaphysical, the paranormal, stop in and ask us. It is a heavily moderated group. We do not stand for bullies. We don't, you know, we don't handle it at all. You know, you start bullying somebody, you're gone. It's a group of people of all faiths all religions and people who have no religion or no faith. We're open to everyone. Um, just be civil, be nice to everyone. Reach out with kindness and love and learn. Teach. Maybe we can learn, learn from you this week, and maybe next week you can teach us. What a wonderful thing, Becky. That's fantastic. Also, you're still, I guess, working with your uh, your flood research on the Johnstown uh, flood of 1889. Yes, that's one of my favorites. You know, and it's almost... Um, 
like I'm itching to get back. My books are there. I go to bed at night and I see my research sitting there calling me. It's like, Becky, you forgot us. <laughs> anyway, um, for the past 15 years, I've been researching the 1889 Johnstown flood. Uh, over 2,000 people died within about 10, 14 minutes when a well of water came down and decimated my town. We've rebuilt, um, and I have been searching for through someone close to me's past life memories and have used that as a basis of a book that I hope to finish writing. Um, it started off right now as a series for kids. The first book is out. That's also on Amazon um, called Ellie and Kate and the Magical Christmas Tree. And that is a time travel book where you have two children from 1889, the week after the flood, fall out the window of a building and find themselves in 2015 Johnstown. That was fun to write. Um, the research was a blast. And all of the proceeds of that book go to funding um, more great things that the community of Johnstown is working on to make it a better place to live, especially for the kids. So that money is going to the um, – I can't remember the exact name. I'm sorry now. But that is also available on Amazon, and I think that's two ninety nine as well. That's Ellie and Kate. That's a special edition from a series that will be called Ellie and Kate and the uh, 1889 Johnstown Flood. So it's the 1889 Johnstown Flood series. Uh, first book in that series, which is probably 85% done, is Ellie and Kate and the South Fork Fishing and Hunting Club. And that one, it's April. So I'm hoping to get that out public, let's say May, maybe June. So we'll see. You know what? I should set really set that for May 31st, which is the anniversary of the flood. Um, so that's where we're at with that. I've kind of hold, waiting for the um, uh, the the jewelry group to set up. So. Becky, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You have a question. What, is 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 Amazon the only venue that you can sell the e-books? On? You know. It's not the only Amazon. Amazon isn't the only venue, but it's the best because it allows me total freedom to do anything I want. And as long as I sell it at least at two ninety nine, I get seventy percent of what it sells for. That's unprecedented, unheard of in other venues. But you have to agree to only sell it on Amazon to get the seventy percent. Now Amazon does have an app that you can download on your phone. You can download on your computer everywhere. So anything that is on Amazon Kindle can be downloaded into any device. So it's worked well for me. I've been yeah. pretty happy with it. It's uh, yes. Yes. I want to go ahead. You mentioned the Kindle. Does it have to be in a, a particular format, or like you have to use uh, the uh, the PDF? Uh, in order to, to be Kindle read, or do they have their own format? I, I'm interested. I, 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 I guess, excuse me, I'm a little bit naive when it comes to No, that's to okay. That's perfectly all right. That's what we're here for. You know, you never know. I might learn some things from you. Um, the the format I uploaded in is right off of a Word document. There is definitely rules that you have to read, but, of course, there are great books out there on how to do the formatting. I'm right now working on formatting for CreateSpace, which is Amazon's partner, and that's for printing, um, for print books. So it's print-on-demand. It doesn't get much better than that. You don't have to have a warehouse full of books. I don't have to wait for a publisher to say, yeah, your book's okay. I can just write it and put it out there. The only thing that I can tell you is if you want to write a book, 
make sure that it's edited and edited and edited and make sure it's something you'd be proud of. Don't go and just pay someone a dollar or a penny a word and, and slap it up just to make money. That's not what this has to be about. If you want to really get a get something going on Amazon, take the time to write high-quality work and then edit it, have your friends read it, make sure it's good, and then even walk away from it for a couple of weeks and then go back. I mean, I still find errors in mine as much as it's been heavily edited. Right. And do you use yourself as the editor, or do you, or, or do you have a third party edit your book? I have a, an amazing friend who I've had for about eight years. Um, unfortunately, he's not available. He doesn't he doesn't edit for others anymore. He's a senior editor out of Sydney, Australia. So, and he's a dear friend. So that you know, his name's Graham. Uh, he doesn't edit for others, but a lot of my other friends who are, especially in the romance category, they edit for each other. You know, they read and and help each other along, and that's really helped. You know, the biggest. The biggest um, point that Graham taught me was reading it aloud. When you read it out loud, you really find a lot of errors. And I like reading my books as if I'm making an audio book because it's just fun. <laughs> so you can also... Yes. you also have some audio books in the works uh, off of your books as well? Yes, I really... Um, I, I have those coming, I hope, by Christmas to have Pandora's Box of Love and the... Censored version, the, the the sweet romantic version of that called Lost Love Reawakened. I hope to have both of those available in book form, and I'm I'm sure the others will follow too, just because you know it's, it's something easy to do. Dan, I'd like to weigh in a moment on uh, some of what Becky uh, had to say about selling ebooks on Amazon. Uh, first of all, I agree with everything she said, and, and I follow the same. Uh, Model the same path with mine. I spent about a year writing my ebook against eBay, Noise, the Decline and Fall of eBay, an American Economic Juggernaut. And I uh, converted it from a PDF into a doc and uploaded it into Amazon because I also like that 70 30 split uh, per sale of, of, of each unit. My book's been on there for a year now. With modest sales, it's not a bestseller, but, you know, eventually it could take off. Something could trigger, particularly if uh, eBay ever does get the media attention that needs to be directed toward it, uh, that could easily trigger a run on my ebook. And another thing Becky uh, has also, I think, pointed out when she was talking, once you upload it there on Amazon, it's there from then on. Uh, should you later on choose perhaps to put it elsewhere, then that would be something to look at. But but as long as you're you're there on Amazon, they do a lot of the marketing and promotion of your book, which you also can do. I go into all of my Facebook uh, groups with a link my ebook uh, and promote it heavily on my Facebook groups as well. Yes, I've been doing that, especially with how to talk to your dead loved ones, because. Um, we have, the, of course, the group Reincarnation and Past Life Memories. We have a lot of people there who are hurting. And I take that and another book that I'm an admin of. Um, it's the sister group to that group called Past Life Memories and Messages from – Past Life Readings and Messages from Beyond. And that book, we I do a lot of the – discussion, you know, talking to or connecting with a past loved one. And um, then I usually, if I'm nudged to do so, then I will put a link in there so they can actually buy that book and learn themselves. Because really, I'm not a person who wants to sit and fill a stadium. That's not me. 
I want to teach you how to do it. I want you to connect because I believe that gifts that are freely given should be freely shared. So let me teach you how to do that, and then you use that love that connects you to your your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your grandmother, and you talk directly to them and and enrich your life. That's basically, you know, the whole thought process between behind um, how to talk to your dead loved ones. I think oh, that's wonderful. Richard, are you on any other platforms other than Amazon with your book, uh, or is no. Amazon enough? Just Amazon. Amazon's enough. Um, for the time being, at least I'm, I'm going to stay there. Go ahead, Becky. Yeah, I believe that Amazon is enough. Um, it definitely is. You get the word out. It, it works on logarithms, so you know there's a lot of ways to to really promote your books. I wish they did better, of course, and I'm sure if I was working only on that project, they would be doing a lot better. But you know, I'm just pumping it out and keep going because I seem to be pulled in a million different ways. So we'll see. You know. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you can you can buy the book in an hour. You could be talking to whoever you want to talk to. It's it's not this big mystery. It's not the, you don't need a crystal ball. You don't have to, you know, uh, get some dangly earrings and a and a fancy headscarf and put out a shingle. It's all powered by love. Well, I, what I find uh, most interesting about what you're saying is, is probably um, I would say that uh, a, a big percentage of success in the book the editor. And I, I think extremely uh, lucky and uh, uh, fortunate in the fact you have a, a professional that's doing your editing for you. R- Rich, are you a self-editor, or do you also have a... I'm, I, I'm a self-editor, but, but I'm an extremely good and accomplished writer in, in my own right over a period of time, so I was able to do my own editing. Not everybody is, and, and I do agree with Becky. It's good to have a friend or a colleague or numerous other people that you trust Give it to once over. Let them read it over. Let them study it. And, and as she said, also, if you read it out loud, you'll catch things you did not necessarily catch uh, in your in your your first eye view edit. So I would recommend to anyone uh, give it to someone else to look at and let that person give you feedback, or even have an editor if you feel that you need one. Some people need, of course, an editor more than others do, and some people need more editing than others. So it all depends on the uh, the writing talents of of the individual, of course. Right. Yeah. Then I, I. Yeah. I. I. I bought that. Uh, now, with your books, Becky. Becky, about what's the average amount of of actual writing time? Would you say what's it? How long does it take to produce uh, a book that's sellable on on Amazon? Pandora's Box of Love took eight years. Eight years. <laughs> eight years from first word to actual editing. Now, it is a very heavy book. It's it, the hyzer is extremely intense. The lows are extremely intense. You will absolutely fall in love with the characters. You will laugh with them. You will cry with them. You will hurt with them. It's just it, it's an intense book. It's one of those books you, when you're done reading, you're like, damn. <laughs> and then, you know, um, at least that's what my friends have told me. I know that there are many scenes that took many, maybe twenty, twenty-five reads before I could get through it without crying. So, you know, it's really intense. Uh, That book I would write for a while, put it away, pull it back out, write for a while, put it away, you know. You basically answered my next question. Obviously, you didn't didn't spend eight uh, years full-time on this book. It's something that was like a part-time object labor of love, it sounds like, in the beginning, and, and now you're making some money with it. Right. Now, on the flip side, How to Talk to Your Dead Loved Ones, I wrote in four hours as a, um, on a, on a dare to myself, 
in fact, it's openly talked about in the book, where I sat down and I um, went to a, a, a little family bar kind of place and I, I got a pizza and a Mountain Dew and I started writing while my daughter and her best friends were trick-or-treating. And I challenged myself to write this book while I waited. And I did it in four hours. So that book was written and it was published within just a, not very long. Um, just sat down and wrote it and it was fun on the first part of the tale of how I started talking to my dad and then at the end is the actual instructions on how to do it step by step. So then, you know, there's the short one. It took four hours, uh, Ellie and Kate and the magical Christmas tree. That took a couple months. Uh, I just sat down and started writing it. Of course, I'd already had the characters well-developed because they're part of a series and the research had been done. The 1889 flood book i'm going to be doing a mainstream book on that there's 15 years of research in there off and on so um you know i've actually redone the city directory i redid the flood victim list um i spent time on all of those so that my research is right because being historical fiction i believe it has to be historically accurate right so i'm actually in fact i'm actually waiting for some new information that came out a friend of mine had filled me in on and um historically what we thought was was correct wasn't so i'm waiting for the new information on that before i can publish the next the next Becky, book. i know you you've told us before but did you ever come up with a total of how many people died in the flood no no Mm-mm. i'm going to but say it's much closer to three thousand it's closer to three thousand um the official list is twenty two oh nine but um, there is duplications on that list, and there are a lot of people who just aren't listed, and a lot of people were lost. Um, it's interesting because as I research these people, and um, I, I'm doing research that you could not have done before the the advent of the internet. Um, I'm finding there was one guy who just walked away, you know, in the flood. He saw the flood, and he's like, "I'm out of here." <laughs> and then he came back years later when he found out that his wife had remarried and the the new husband had died, and he came back to help her raise the kids. Um, so, you know, it's well, interesting insight. I know, I was insight. thinking that if, you know, something like that were to happen in, say, like a big, big, huge city like Chicago or New York or whatever, and there's so many homeless people and, you know, so many people that don't really have anybody else, no family members or anything, so there would, I would think, be thousands of people that would be unaccounted for in a, you know, a, a huge, you know, tragedy. Well, I'm actually working on a, a new project, which is a spirit walk, where um, another a, a medium friend and I are going to walk um, down through Johnstown, and um, I'll do the history part of it, and he'll do the speaking to the spirits that are here in Johnstown, because we do have the most haunted Main Street in America, and it's um, there is a, a ghost tour where they kind of walk around and talk about it, but we're actually uh-huh. talking to the spirits, and we did uncover... In the 1977 flood, there was a, a, a soul who was homeless and he was lost, and they thought he just left town. But he actually had hidden in a um, stairwell, and when they were cleaning up the town, he just got scooped up and dumped in the trash, you know, under the debris, which is kind of sad. But you know, things like that happen. Yeah, they they just disappear, and you oh, know, I'm sure a lot worse happened than that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um. You know, I I did have um, when you say a when lot you, of bodies, you know, were washed so far away and weren't found for weeks or months, maybe even years. Yeah, there were. It was definitely years. 
And some were never are found. There still, are there still bodies that were never recovered? Um, from all three floods, yes. Yes. You know, um, the sad thing is they they rebuilt the Point Stadium not so awful long ago. I don't know exactly how many years ago. But, you know, there was black ooze under it when they went there, and that's that's decayed bodies. So, you know, God knows how many people were there. I know I had a uh, past life regression done with an amazing regression done with Wendy Williams, and she I relived my life during that lifetime. And then someone close to me had relived their death at the Stone Bridge where um, so many people died when the water backed up. It kind of it it backed up, and then you know either you drowned or were you know maybe your one of your limbs was cut off in the debris, or um, you you burned alive, and the, and those are the ones that were lucky. The ones who were not lucky were crushed when the water went down the next morning, and the debris just crushed them slowly. And my friend, actually two people who I've spoken to, that's how they died. They died crushed at the stone bridge, um, and I can't even imagine. And, and they had no warning, did they? Um, you know, they did, but you know, the the, the little boy who cried. I, mean, I, I think that I think they would have had some warning because, I mean, you could tell when a, I would think when a dam is about to be breached. Um, this dam was owned by the the very wealthy of Pittsburgh. I'm researching, I've gone so far as to research those people, and um, at one point, sixty percent of all the money in the United States was in uh, the one part of Pittsburgh where they all lived, and all of these people who lived there, um, they were members of the Southwark Fishing and Hunting Club. One of the men, in yeah. fact, was Carnegie. so rich that his walls were covered in aluminum foil, which was the most expensive material at the time. Could you imagine covering your wall in aluminum foil? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, Can't imagine that, it being that expensive. But yeah, it really. It must process or something, I guess. I, it was just so new, I guess. But, um, yeah, they, they didn't put the money in the dam. They didn't care. They really didn't care. And, you know, it was leaking, and they knew it, and they fixed it with um, sticks and stones and horse manure. And, well, you know, that didn't last. And the well, in, pipes in, were taken in, out. The, the, I was going to say that in the reading that I did, uh, it was, oh, I can't re- ever remember the name of the man that was Carnegie's right-hand man. Yeah. Uh, that uh, They did Frick. something to the, to the bridge crossing across the dam that made it weaker. They yeah, liked, and you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's really funny because my they past life... made it life, lower or something so he could drive his carriage across. Yeah, that was um, um, Henry Clay Frick. You know, it's really funny yeah. because my past life was actually spent working as a chambermaid. Um, is what I thought I was a chambermaid. So, and then during the regression, I found out that I was the wife of one of the members. Um, but... I watched the movie of the, you know, the American Tycoons or whatever, the one on PBS. And when I saw Henry oh, Clay yeah, Frick the one, in this the, movie. The Men That Built America. Yeah, The Men That Built America. Yeah, that when was I first excellent, saw, excellent series. saw that part, I was filled with rage. And I was like, what? why am I feeling like this? But, yeah, he had the, um, the, the breast of the dam lowered so that they could get two carriages across at the same time. And then they um, dammed up the dam with, boards and things so the fish wouldn't get out because they paid a dollar a fish you know back when people paid two hundred dollars for a house they paid a dollar a fish and uh, they didn't want those fish to get away and then what happened was as the storm storm was building and building and they were trying to they tried to stop it finally um john park said he would go into johnson and warn them but when they sent the telegraph messages 
uh, at Connemaw, they threw it away. They said, yeah, right. <laughs> because so many times they heard it was going to break, and they're like, yeah, right, whatever. Oh. And they didn't believe it, and they threw it away. So they would have actually had four hours warning, I think it was. Oh, and, wow. Uh, they could have I, evacuated the town in that time, I would think. Yeah, I, I think they they could have. You, know, you would think that um, you would be safer in a stone house, but it looked like the people who survived were the ones in the wooden houses. And there were many, many... Um, situations I heard of, and you can find them at Ripley's, believe it or not, where people, you know, had their homes and they were uprooted and they landed on somebody else's property, so they just sold it to whoever's property they landed on, because how are you going to move a house, you know? Was yeah. there One, even a, a small number of people who successfully escaped, or, or was no one able to escape? No, there were definitely people who escaped. I, I don't know how many, but I, I, I personally believe that many of the woes that Johnstown suffer is because of the anger of those who died, or if not the anger of those who died, the sorrow. Um, you know, uh, the, the place is absolutely haunted. I just when you, I've already um, pulled at the. There's now a red light very near the stone bridge, and I've pulled there on night of May 31st one year when it was raining, and you could hear screams and dogs barking and water rushing, and there was not a soul out there. You know. It was just raining outside. Uh, so. Must have been horrendous. It, it, you know, it had to be. It really had to be. Um, Becky, I, if, I I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, some of your ancestors were there in Johnstown at the time of the flood, too. Um, actually, my ancestors were, uh, my great-grandmother was a chambermaid at the Southwark Fishing and Hunting Club. My great-grandfather um, sold vegetables and meat, and he had a, a store up there. So I was actually mm-hmm. more to... Well, on my mom's side, at least, it was, they were up in South Fork. Um, I'm a direct descendant of two of the ten families who met to form Johnstown, so no doubt many of them were um, here in, in Johnstown. I did talk to my aunt by marriage um, on my dad's side, and she said that her, I guess, grandparents, um, the father stayed in town after the flood, and the mother... Um, the kid had one kid had measles or something, so they took the child out of the house and went to live somewhere else. And the dad would walk over a plank to get into the house because I guess everything was a mess. And then one day he came home and there was an arm sticking up, and here the woman had or man had been buried by debris in the yard, and then the arm had worked its way up, and I guess rigor mortis or something. The arm was just sticking out, and now imagine that. And, and there were people they found them in basements. They found them years later. They found parts of them. I can't even imagine, you know. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't imagine what it was like to be living in that ta- time to just get up one day and, you know, it's raining and, you know, you're moving all your stuff up to the second floor and, and then, you know, this, you hear this thunderous sound like, a thousand locomotives coming into town and this big dust bowl, you see this dust bowl and then you have to know in your heart somehow that it's the dam that broke. And then, you know, who knows, did you survive? Did you not survive? What happened to your family? A lot of kids were sent to orphanages. Uh, wow. I, I, I'm, my mind is is boggled by it and I've, I've become obsessed with the whole, with the whole event and I want to, I want to finish the series for the kids, and I want to write the mainstream book because I want to honor those who died, and I want to be able to honor those who died and weren't mentioned. I want their ancestors to know 
where they were or at least where they were after the flood and, you know, were they definitely dead? Were they definitely not dead? You know, is there a chance that they survived? You know, and I, I, I wanted... work you're doing, Becky. That's fantastic. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, you, I think if we each try to do a little bit, and I don't want to sound like I'm this saint because I'm not. I'm just a person. But if I think if we each do a little bit and we try to make the world a better place, I think we'll all be better people for it. So, you know... I'm still waiting to get rich. (laughs) Howard has flown by in the five minutes we've got remaining. I want to turn to Dan. Dan, do you have any more questions for Becky? Well, well, yeah, I was trying to make a case here for return on investment as far as your time with these books and and, and for for you and her. Now, I I kind of established that she had a long-term commitment to one book, and then she challenged herself for one short book. And then, Rich, how long did you spend on on the eBay book? It took me a year to write it, to put it together, and right. now it's been published for a year. And yes, I do have plans for future books, for other books. Uh, I've got a number of things, uh, as they shall say, works in progress uh, that I'm not yet ready to release. But but there will be something released this year, something released next year. Uh, I'm beginning to think, uh, just, just as Becky works in marketing uh, many different venues, many different uh, areas. I'm thinking that part of the secret to this might be marketing many different e-books and, and cross-promoting them. I'm thinking that might also be part of all of this. I, I think you're, you're spot on because, you know, um, you know, when I'm listening to this, all this, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, of oh, the old axiom, time is money and money is time. And, you know, when you, when you have an eight-year commitment to something, and what what is your return? And when you have a four hour, you, you see where I'm going with it. You you have about a year into your eBay book, you know, and and I think that it'd be beneficial to people considering getting into that, you know, this uh, genre of uh, you know uh, of e-commerce uh, to understand what what the commitment is versus the the return on your and in this you know instance you know you have some overhead, but it's not as heavy as is carrying a stock of, of some kind of item or something like that. You're carrying that around in your head, but but your your actual physical time, you know, time versus th- other things that you could be doing to make money. And and I'm trying to establish uh, where, where this fits in, you know, as a good as a good venture. Okay, you but know, it, it's not myself. writing a book is not about just money. Sometimes it's about helping others. Sometimes it's about getting a story out. My books, if you notice. Okay, Pandora in Pandora's Box of Love. If you're if you're a military person and you're say stationed in say Afghanistan and your wife is stateside, you can still have sexual feelings, sexual. Uh, I don't know how to say it, but you can still maintain that sexual connection with someone. If you can't, if you have ALS and you can't move your limbs, you can still have sexual sensation. That book, I, I, when I wrote Pandora's Box of Love, it imi- originally was a book like, like The Notebook. And I was sitting in my living room, and I heard a voice that said, Becky, we want you to add this to your book. We want you to sell it, and we want you to tithe 10% of the proceeds of that book to, to single parents. And I said, tithe? I asked if they repeat it. And then I said, tithe, don't you mean tithe to the church? And they said, no, we have a, excuse me, plenty of people giving to the church. We want you to help single parents. And I said, how will I know which single parents? And the voice said, we will send them to you. So 
that's kind of how it is. I help people on the fly as they are, as they need. It books, writing books is not about money. Rich's book, of course, it's it's about his venture to help other people with eBay and mm-hmm. talking to your dead people. The dead people is about helping um, people who are grieving. And, of course, the Johnstown Flood is about recognizing people who are lost. So there's right. writing is writing it comes from a different place. If you're writing just to make money, it's not going to work. All right, that's what I was trying to that was what I, that's the conclusion I was trying to arrive at. There's the the, the absolute motivation and and, uh, and return on your investment of time and and your what I I'm hearing is it's it's not all about the money. And in other words, there's a lot of labor of love and personal um personal feelings that are going into writing that that are uh besides uh making money. And yeah, and Norris Box of Love has my heart. I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean as long as you have uh, something else to support yourself, to put a roof over your head and feed yourself, I think that's you know it's a great thing. You know, if you you've got four hours a day or, or even forty minutes a day to commit to your book, you know, and, and you know where it's going then then that's that, that's a that's a great thing. You know, if you do it part time and make a living with the jewelry, then, then it's even more better, you know. Exactly. What you do is you carry a notebook with you and you write as you sit. I wrote some of my hottest scenes sitting in a doctor's office waiting for my mother in the waiting room. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, once a writer, always a writer. A writer always has a million stories that are dying to get out. It's just a matter of getting them out. Uh, so, you know, if you want to do that, I'll definitely help you. Um, buy Pandora's Box of Love and read it. You know, it's See what you think. Yeah, I, you know, try Pandora. Let me know. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It changed your life, really. Um, you know, any of my books, they all have a reason. They always have all have a purpose. And there's many more tales that are uh, dying to get out. So, as I said, Ellie and Kate and the Southwark Fishing and Hunting Club is about 85% done. And you know, when I walk past the research, I hear Becky, <laughs> Becky. So, you know. And I think you, and I think you very well may have more than one book in you as far as that goes. Not only just e-commerce, but uh, society, politics, uh, sociology, and, and just even your life experience. I think there may be more than one book there. I think all of us have. Uh, if you're talented and you're creative and you're intelligent, I think I think you have at least one book in you. And, and I think all of us may have more than one as far as that goes. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had one I've been wanting to write for for quite a while, but uh, you know, uh, the, the editing—that's what another reason why I asked a lot of questions about the editing. I I think that's so important, and I I think you know, finding a, a person that really knows, you know, a, a real wordsmith, a professional wordsmith—it uh, was would be the term I'd use—to go over your work. I think it's a, especially in the beginning is probably an absolute must. I don't I, don't, I can't imagine going into a venture like this without having somebody like that behind me. Mine, I can tell you my editor is second to none. I am absolutely blessed with him. Um, he is He's absolutely great. Great, One of my dearest, dearest friends. Uh, I can't even say enough about him. He's taught me a lot. He said my writing is similar to Dickens. So I haven't spent much time written, re- reading Dickens. Okay, I've not read any Dickens, to tell you the truth. But, so I don't know. But... Um, you know, uh, just well, that's quite a compliment. That's yeah. quite a compliment. I have read Dickens, and Dickens is very wordy and very detailed. And I will say this: I think your stuff flows a lot faster than Dickens. But Dickens was a master in his time period. 
He was in Johnstown at one point, too. <laughs> he came <laughs> on the canal boats. That's cool. Um, you know, I, I probably should read some Dickens, but to tell you the truth, I, I literally, you know, I was listing things in the Facebook group at 5 o'clock this morning. So, you know, well, maybe 4 o'clock. But, you know, it, it's just a matter of finding time. And, you know, if you want to write that book, keep writing, take a notebook with you. My editor said something very important to me. When I finished my first book, when I finally finished Pandora, he said, congratulations. He said, you've just done something that most people never do. He said, you not only said you were going to write a book, you finished it. So if you said that, if you set your sight of doing it, even if it takes you a year, two years, five years, at the end of the five years, everything you wanted to say is in that book. And that's pretty cool. You know, Becky, I, I, before, before our show ends, I'd like for you to give us the name of your Facebook groups where we can find these books and the jewelry group and all of that good stuff. Okay, if you want to find me on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Becky, B-E-C-K-Y, Marie, M-A-R-I-E, the letter B is in boy. Find me there. You can find me on Facebook backslash groups backslash 5 and 10. That's 5 and 10 dollar jewelry. Um, I was going to give a keyword tonight, so anybody who uh, listened as a special gets a, is in on a special deal. That that keyword is Pandora. So if you go in and you look at um, five and ten dollar jewelry the, in the Facebook group, there's a special deal in there, and your password for that is Pandora. Um, I have reincarnation and past life memories again. Facebook backslash groups backslash reincarnation and past life memories. That is a group of light workers. Nine over ninety one hundred members, easily wow. one of the, if not the best reincarnation group there. If you have questions, if you want to share your memories, and you want to be in a safe situation, that's us. If you think you were somebody famous, tell us. It's not up to us to tell you that you were or were not that person. It's us up to us to help you decide and discover who you were. Uh, reincarnation kids, a group just for kids. Heavily moderated, heavily, heavily moderated. A safe place where kids can talk to each other. And, um, of course, only the most trusted members of the reincarnation group are there to help the kids along. Um, past life memories and messages from the beyond, that is another group. We do free readings, free past life readings. We do not do future readings. There's a number of readers there. We don't charge. However, you can be, you, you may find someone you like to work with there. That's up to you. Um, but, you know, we do do readings free of charge. You need a picture with your eyes wide open. And a couple of us will connect you with with your past, your people who that you love who have passed on. Um, let's see, Pandora's Box of Love has its own group. I've got the 1889 Johnstown Flood. That's for the 1889 Johnstown Flood book. And I have another one called the South Fork Fishing and Hunting Club. That's uh, facebook.com backslash groups backslash s s f f h c for South Fork Fishing and Hunting Club, and both of those last two groups are historical in nature and they're tied to the book. So I've got a lot of Facebook groups. I spend a lot of time on there. I have a Twitter account. I'm rarely there. Facebook's just better. Um, I'm on a lot. If you want to talk to me, if I can help someone with writing, with uh, anything, with their past life memories, with, with jewelry. Hey, if you want to buy jewelry, please come find me. Um, anything that I can help you with. Please let me know. And hey, if you want some car dealer books, I got a lot of them. I like a lot of them. Especially Mustang. <laughs> Becky, I want to thank you again, Becky Bootsko, for being my guest tonight. Dan Patrick, thank you for calling in. And I want to wish everyone a great evening. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Good night. You bet.
This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags.